0: Today, I sit down with Kurt Harjo of Harjo Construction. Since the age of 19, Kurt has dreamt of starting a business to build beautiful things. Growing up in construction, Kurt had a lot of preparation before founding Harjo Construction, including building treehouses, growing up with a home workshop, working in commercial construction during college, and later working in the field and project management. If he had to choose the single most important thing to do in a day, Kurt believes it's understanding priorities. He enjoys solving problems with clients, putting together strategies, and helping them visualize a new reality for their home. Now, for the conversation with Kurt Harjo. Hey, Kurt! Thanks for joining me today.
1: Thanks for having me, Spencer.
0: Yeah, I'm excited. Well, let's uh, let's dive in and maybe just give people some context. You know, who are you? Where are you guys located? And uh, what kinds of projects are you guys up to? Yeah, thanks. Well, I am Kurt. Harjo. My company
1: is Harjo Construction Services. We're based in Seattle, specifically in the Ballard neighborhood, serving primarily Ballard, Magnolia, Green Lake. Basically, we don't leave a a 20-minute radius of, of our office these days. Projects, remodels from, I'd say, kitchens and basements on up to whole house remodels, second floor additions, significant additions whole house remodel, occasional tear down of a house and rebuild, uh, expanding on a foundation or something like that. Also detached accessory dwelling units. We design roughly, I don't know, 50 to 70% of the work we do. We also really like working with architects. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Well, it sounds like uh, kind of old stomping grounds for my family. I think my parents lived in a house on... Green Lake when I was born, and then I mostly grew up in Normandy Park, and I've got family in Federal Way, Des Moines, Normandy Park, that that area. So just just south of you, I think.
1: Nice. So you went to high school around here?
0: No, we actually moved when I was in elementary school, but we go back, and yeah, still got lots of family out there. So yeah, it's, it's a great area. So I'm curious, when when did you start the company? I'm assuming you did by the name of the company, and what prompted that?
1: Yeah, it was 2010 and i had worked for a remodeling company just out of college from 06 to the end of 09 and the economy wasn't doing so hot and you know i had visions of you know in college i worked for a commercial company and in my mind i dreamed all right you know ideally i'd have my own business and then maybe you know second goal maybe i'm a partner in a business third third highest you know the bronze medal would be I don't know. I'm a successful project manager in a successful business or something like that. And working for this little remodeling company after college, I realized, you know, the the corporate big corporate construction wasn't so much for me. I, I liked the small sort of personal space of working with homeowners and you know picking up a kid occasionally. Yeah, just being, you know, intimate spaces and as the economy was tanking, I said to my boss, Hey, how about we lay me off? And he said, Oh, okay. Thanks. (laughs) And I had it in the back of my mind that, you know, I I was probably going to start my own business. And then, but I did do a little bit of interviewing and I realized in 2010, I was not going to land a job anywhere. And so I started a business.
0: Nice. Yeah. Sometimes it's out of necessity, right? I mean, it sounds like you've been thinking about it, but timing kind of synced up with where the economy was at the time. What was the first year like?
1: Oh, wow. Well, I like to give a shout out to the, I think the state government. I collected unemployment during that year and they actually sent me something in the mail early on that said, you're a good candidate to start your own business. Huh. Interesting. And they actually sent me to this little boot camp where they, you know, taught you about, Hey, these are the insurances you need to get and business licenses and all that. Not that any of it was that complicated. You know, you just fill out forms and hand some checks out and you're a contractor in the state. And, uh, <laughs> <There you go. laughs> but that really, it was encouraging and helpful in a, in a, in a scary time and place. And, um, in that first year, I think I did a hundred thousand dollars worth of business. It was just me doing odds and ends of handiwork. I, climbing in crawl spaces and installing insulation or building a little fence or my church gave me some work, various little remodeling things. And I think at the end of that year, it, it proved that I'd paid myself $15,000 of that 100000 in revenue. But luckily, I was able to survive with the help of unemployment. So, so truthfully, I, I probably couldn't have done it without the help of unemployment.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And so, so yeah, I guess take me through like year two, year three, like how did you lift off from, from that point or was it just more of the same for a little while? Well, no, it it
1: grew very rapidly. I, I, and I was, because so much of my skill set, I studied business at the university of Washington, along with construction management and through college, I worked in the office of a commercial contracting business. And so, so much of what I knew was sort of the business end. And yet I grew up you know, blue collar. My dad was a carpenter and then a superintendent. So I grew up around tools and equipment and not afraid to get my hands dirty and and build things. And I did get a bunch of that experience. But I knew I was more business minded and wanted to build a, a a team and a machine and and improve the lives of the people that worked for me and 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 my customers and more from an orchestrator perspective. And so yeah, I just as soon as I could hire somebody, I did and I found people who were more skilled at carpentry than me and more skilled at anything than me. And so in the second year, I did $200,000 worth of business and maybe paid myself, I don't know, 30000 And then in the third year of business, I think I did 300000 And then in the fourth year of business, I did a million. And then in the fifth year of business, I did about $2 million. And in the sixth year of business, I think I got close to $3 million. So it went $100,000, 300000 And then it went $1 million, $2 million, $3 million, something yeah. like that and then for the last i don't know 6 or 8 years we've bounced around between
0: 3 and 5 million and yeah yeah that's yeah i'm sure that like 300 to 1 million was a big a big jump and probably a little bit chaotic or maybe not maybe you knew exactly how everything was was rolling what were the first couple hires that you made you said that was something you wanted to do as quickly as you could was that more like office staff or more in the field, like trying to get out of that first?
1: Yeah, for sure in the field. And early on, there's one guy in particular, I met Andrew Bernhardt, who was a huge asset and another guy named Sergei Nezarchuk. And they were both effectively subcontractors who also had other things going on and were flexible. And so I was able to bring them in on a project by project sort of ad hoc basis and not have a commitment to a payroll. I think I had my first payroll person uh, of significance in 2012. His name's Alexi, he's still with me today and has kind of done everything in the company and now is our, I guess, design manager and, and a senior project manager. But yeah, for sure it was just various carpentry help and then carpenters and then I would just take any early on carpenter, I began to just teach them more. Yes, you're a carpenter and I need you to use your phone. I need you to use your brain. I need you to take notes. And I'm going to teach you how to use Microsoft Project. And I'm going to teach you how to use Excel as needed. Yeah,
0: yeah no, that's that's great. And that, yeah, I feel like, yeah, maybe part of that mindset contributed to such rapid growth. Because once you can get yourself out of some of those roles, then it allows you to push the business forward. And so, yeah, that's that's super cool. Because that sounds like pretty, pretty rapid growth there for the first few years. I think a lot of people don't experience that in their first five, six years. So that's... Yeah. Kudos to you on that. I find like people that go, go into business, like you're thinking it will look a certain way and then it like looks totally different. I guess, is it how you imagined when you're like, Hey, I'm going to own my own business and run my own thing. And when you first kind of got into it or or what were some areas that maybe you're like, Hmm, I wasn't really expecting that.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I think early on, you know, you have these really kind of far out visions and they're not very flushed out. Like if you asked me, you know, 12 years ago, Kurt, what would it be like? I'd be like, I don't know. I'd be successful and be yeah, I'm sure it will be hard, but you just don't even know what you don't know. And so I think to the extent that I had some role models who are very successful remodelers who I looked up to and kind of followed, I would say, I had an idea. I had a vision in a very rough sense that I don't know what aspects to describe that I would, I would be a part of a team that I would have an office that we would own a building and be respected for the work that we do and be a good place to work. These were all visions I had. And in, in many respects, they've, they've come to fruition.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. I think you do need that. Like you've got to have some type of vision, whether it's broad, like you said, a little fuzzy or, or even more nailed down then that otherwise you'll just kind of, I don't know, bounce around doing doing a lot of different things. Shifted more towards like the, the services and what you provided. I know the first few years probably was like, you said some handyman, smaller type stuff. But then at some point, you probably started transitioning to like the larger projects and things that you're doing today. When was that shift in your journey and kind of how did that come about?
1: Well, I'd say it's been very progressive, sort of a snowball, you know, I'm not super good at math, but if I had to guess, you know, like 5%, 5%, 5%, 5%, it's like, if you meet with a, I met with a retirement planner and they just show you this like big curve of what 5% a year does. And yeah, I think, you know, on average, the, the job size has gone up a because of our skill B because of the economy and I suppose somewhere there's an inflation factor in there. If we were to adjust, equalize them all, it might not be as big as it looks. A million dollar project today might have been a eight hundred thousand dollar project four years ago. So, so yeah, I'd say it's just been gradual and constantly kind of pushing the envelope of of your latest set of skills. Like, yes, we've done this, and then you get an opportunity to look at a project or meet with an architect or meet with a client, and they're like, "Well, hey, Harjo, can you can you do a?" you know, tear down, rebuild. And we're like, Ooh, well, we haven't done one before, but look at these other three projects that were almost that big. And then they give you, they're like, okay, yeah, we will give you a shot. Even though yeah. you may not have a, a massive resume or portfolio, just build on it step-by-step. Step.
0: Yeah. So in that vein, do you feel like you can see where the next 5% or 5% is going? Like, are you guys shifting what you're doing now? more so? Like, are you doing like one or two things that you think like, yeah, we want to do more of that. Or do you feel like you've hit a spot where you've kind of found that sweet spot?
1: I wouldn't say, well, I would say our, our, we're constantly evolving the sweet spot and our ability to do great work. And I think that where we need to be growing is our ability to sell and deliver just absolute excellence in, in all things design and pre-construction and execution. Where there's more resources, there's the ability to produce a more polished experience for a customer that requires more sophisticated teamwork internally. And so my dad used to say, my dad was in construction. He's been retired a long time. He'd say, Kurt, anybody can build a building with enough time and money. And, and i I guess you know I, I believe that, and so the growth I want for our company is that we are the people that that you can trust for a really refined client experience, as well as a refined project execution and and product. Because there are people, you know, there are people that want that don't have the time and energy to babysit a a ragtag construction company. And there are people that, you know, yeah, that, that want that. And of course, you know, not everybody has unlimited money or massive amounts that they want to spend for a quality experience. You know, not everyone goes out for that fancy steak dinner all the time, but metaphorically speaking, I want us to be able to, to, to perform well on that, you know, once in a lifetime steak dinner type purchase.
0: book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to RemodelerMarketingBlueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. So I guess shifting gears a little bit, what do you think has been like the Toughest part of the journey, you know, last 12 years.
1: Yeah, I think it's just learning. It's been me, myself. I'm I get in the way. My own insecurities, attitudes, stubbornness is is one of the 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 biggest challenges. And I guess that's one of the things I really love about this business is I don't have anybody to blame. I I mean I can, but it's not going to help. I get to look in the mirror and and reflect on how am I doing and is this working? And when you have 20 people that work for you and you're doing you know and in our case we're on pace to do about close to 5 million dollars worth of work in the next 5 months or so and i have to have excellent relationships and trust and systems within within the organization and that requires me operating like someone who is worthy of the respect of a team of people the managers under me are dealing with a few million dollars worth of work and they've got a lot on their plates and they need me to be someone who who they trust and respect so yeah. Yeah. at times I, I've been a, you know a little immature and I've been stuck in my own world for you know 12 years on my own and and, 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 and sometimes you don't even realize sort of like the power dynamic that, that the power position you hold in people's lives and they may not tell you you're being a jerk and you need to shut up because of that power dynamic.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I I really resonate with that just the you know everything's on you like you like you said you can blame other people but at the end of the day like if it's all about improving your skill set and your ability to enable people or put them in the right spot or train them or get them the skills or the tools or whatever they need to be successful and so yeah, I re- I really like that. All right, fun question for you. Any like Wacky client stories or weird projects that you worked on something something juicy you can share with oh, us. Oh my
1: goodness, uh, I've got several. We'll pick a couple then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in I want to say in around the year twenty fourteen, we we burned down a mansion. This is public info now. I'm okay with that. Yep. Uh, <laughs> we learned from Branded it. Burned it down, uh, huh? <laughs> well, it was, I would, we did not burn it down. It, it was a major fire. And I actually foresaw the risk. I talked to the team and said, Hey guys, we cannot be using metal grinders up here as we tear this sheet metal out. And somebody decided to use a grinder and they did their tear down for the day and no fire. But a couple hours later, some spark got into the attic of this big old house where we were going to replace the formerly tin inlaid gutters or scuppers and yeah so anyways they ended up with a massive loss and my insurance paid out and there needed to be additional money beyond my insurance limits so i learned a lot about insurance limits and fire safety and um, how to do that stuff right and so you know it's been i guess eight years or so since then haven't had an insurance claim since no time lost injuries in the company so I, we do generally we have a safety record i'm proud of
0: yeah, yeah, dang, that's wild. I haven't, I haven't heard, <laughs> yeah, something some, like that whole house uh, going down. So, well, I'm sure you navigated it, it. Probably wasn't, wasn't the call you were expecting that day. Yeah. So you said you have several. You have another, another one that comes to mind.
1: Well, I think, I guess this isn't so specific, but uh, we've had customers who want to do their own work, and I think in general, something I, I've learned is that the people who I get thank yous from and, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Thank you so much, are the people who I'm also very surprised at their, I guess, swiftness in paying our first, say, proposal price versus beating us down. Anybody who starts arguing with us and fighting about price is like, they've almost just sent a big signal that I'm, I'm going to be, I'm a miserable person. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to make this miserable for you. And I'm not going to be grateful for anything you do because I'm always going to want it a little cheaper. So we, you know, haven't always had the, I don't know, self-esteem and and, and the opportunity to say no to to everybody or to some people that we probably should have said no to, but I'm thinking of a customer who, who would ask us to price things. We, we agreed that we were going to build the shell of the second floor edition and he was going to do some of his own work. And he designed this house himself. He's a very talented Hmm. engineer from a different engineering space, not in construction, but he still designed it all himself, did a good job, but would stop us and say, Hey, what about, what if we change this? And we'd give him a price and he'd say, no, you know what? I'll just do it myself. And so then we would have to stop. And we didn't know how to say, no, absolutely not. And it's, that's still not in my nature to just be like the bully boss of my clients. Like they're my clients. And I try to treat them like clients. And I guess I am progressively learning how to set really clear boundaries on what
0: we do and don't tolerate. Yeah, that's challenging. And yeah, I'm sure sure you've worked in a few of those boundaries over the years. And yeah, but you're right. Like in thinking about those clients that are kind of from the start, if you can identify couple of those things and just being like, nope, not worth it. Like done that enough times. Don't need to do that. Those are valuable lessons. Right. And
1: and I also believe that when we, it's kind of like people will give you what you accept. And Mm -hmm. if, if on day one, we have really clear boundaries, they might still work with us. We just, we train them how to treat us.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, fast forward into today, you know, industry is a little wacky right now. What's your read on kind of what's going on and maybe what the next couple of years are going to look like headwinds, challenges we need to be thinking about solving together, anything that's just coming to mind?
1: I mean, yeah, it's funny because starting in 2010, it's been, you know, the wind at my back the whole time, the economy has been improving, 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 you know, we had a little dip there with the beginning of the pandemic was a pretty scary couple of months, but then it was back to on fire, on fire good.
0: And yeah not on fire burn down the mansion <laughs> no no
1: no and so yeah we we have more work you know last year was our biggest year ever this year is proving to be even bigger and i think that you know could there be massive stock market drops and a lot of our clients have you know money in various tech places they work at amazon or microsoft or other related companies around here and i think a lot of their money is in stocks And so if the stock market took a huge hit, they might go, wow, you know, my my million dollars just became 20,0 000 in some dramatic case. And I just can't afford to do this project. So if people get spooked on that front, then yeah, I mean the stock market is already hasn't been has not been amazing year to date, but it's not been tragic by any means. I think people are still sitting a lot higher than they were a year ago. So yeah, I mean, you know, is there gonna be a nuclear war? Are China and Russia gonna gang up and uh, dominate the world? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either,
0: unfortunately. (laughs) Yeah. But no, I think I think good observation, like especially, you know, I think a lot of people that have been on the show and kind of in the remodeling space that have developed professional organizations, you start to move upstream in the clientele, and it's like typically discretionary income, but then a lot of times like super discretionary income. Like, yeah, we just wanna do this project. And yeah, you just wonder if if you see a crash, like how much of that disappears and it's a big question mark so yeah are you taking any steps proactively like with that possibility in mind or well i would say in retrospect
1: yes in that we have we're we have more work than we've ever had and yet we are simultaneously gearing up to be able to tackle that work and if half of our book of business went away and only half stuck around we could still be a a healthy company we'd have to lay some people off but we could we could pivot how people get used maybe we subcontract less more in-house carpentry for people who are currently supervising say two or three projects maybe now they're on one or two but also swinging a hammer yeah but uh, outside of that i can't i don't know what steps i can take to make sh- sure our customers have money that they
0: yeah, yeah. That that one you probably can't solve, but I think that like it's funny you said that because I actually just had a similar conversation. It was like a, a but about like doing a you always budget around like whatever your growth path is for this year, or whatever. But having the budget for like what if we got cut in half or or lost thirty percent of the business, like how do we scale down in a way that you can be healthy? It sounds like you thought through that and have some ideas like, and obviously you just kind of have to adapt to what's really happening and what micro decisions get made. But yeah, I like that. Well, I haven't actually
1: budgeted for that scenario, but I think I will now that you mentioned it. I think in my mind, I know how that could work, but I should probably actually budget out for it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I thought it, it made me think about that too. It was like, yeah, that's a pretty good exercise to go through. So I thought that was yeah, good advice. Well, Kurt, as we wrap up today, I always like to ask if you could leave our listeners, other remodelers like yourself, one piece of advice or words of wisdom? What do you want to leave people with?
1: Well, this is advice that I routinely give myself. It's a uh, focus and be of service. I think as a business owner, you can be so scattered and so many different demands on how or where you should spend your time. And I think on any given day, you need to pick a focus, you know, take care of today, what you can take care of and, and and just, you know, be of service to the people you're working with and oops, you'll find things are are working out.
0: I like it. Yeah, that's good advice. And yeah, I would say I'm I fall into that classic like visionary mindset versus like your operator and so yeah, my mind bounces all over the place, so focus is a good good reminder. Well, Kurt, thanks so much for spending some time with me and sharing your story.
1: Thanks for having me, Spencer.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Remodeler Stories. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. Every month, we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Just leave a review over on iTunes to enter to win. See you next time.